Hello and welcome back to All Things Urticaria, your UCARE podcast. UCARE stands for Urticaria Centers of Reference and Excellence. It's a network by Galen with, I think we're 188 centers now across the world. And with me today, my friend, colleague, Regis Campos. Bom dia. Bom dia. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here to talk about this all these issues that we discuss about urticaria and angioedema. Super. It's so good to have you. Um, over the years, you know, we, we've gotten to know each other from meetings uh, uh, and, and projects, and you're so active in this field that I was looking forward to recording this episode with you. I have plenty of questions for you. Maybe we'll start um, with uh, one of the questions that comes up a lot. Um, what is the burden of angioedema in patients with urticaria, but also in patients with other diseases that come with recurrent swellings? Uh, well, uh, just just to 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 point something, I, I'm from Brazil and I'm here in Bahia. Mm -hmm. It's a state. It's the northeast of Brazil, and the state of Bahia is a state that has a particular issue. And that uh, they, there is a lot of people who have low income. Mm. So in this sense, uh, people who is affected with urticaria and mostly angioedema uh, has a, a great burden of disease because a lot of times there is no diagnosis. That's something that's really, really terrible for them because they keep going to different uh, emergency rooms okay. without knowing what they have. And a lot of times they, they are diagnosed as having like a uh, food allergy mm. and not have food allergy or even uh, a drug allergy. But there is sometimes there is drug allergy, but most of the time there is spontaneous angioedema yeah. and also the hereditary angioedema. That's the great, a great burden of disease. Of yeah. disease. Uh, do you have an estimate for your region? How long it takes patients before they find a doctor and get the right diagnosis and maybe also the right treatment? Well, uh, for hereditary angioedema, uh, this is around 10 years. Oh, mamia. Okay. It's 10 years, that's for sure. Okay. So here we are in the Federal University of Bahia, and I run a, a allergy and clinic immunology unit mm -hmm. and have here an UCARE since 2017 so you you got a lot of uh, different patients from all over the state the state of Bahia is very it's it's a big state yeah. we have a, a population of uh, 50, uh 15 million uh, inhabitants okay that's huge okay. yes it's huge yeah and and regis how does it work um do these patients come to you directly? Do they find you on the internet? Are they referred to you by their treating physicians? What's what's the usual journey that patients take to finally come to you, an expert, and get a diagnosis and treatment? Uh, that, that, that's a good question, because this has, has been changed over the years, and this change was mostly when we introduced the UCARE Center. Mm -hmm. So since then, most of, a, a lot of the patients come by internet when they see our site and uh, we, you do some interviews and sometimes you do you give some 
uh, advice for patients, and then they spread out from all over the state. And uh, this is it's it's getting more and more uh, common to to look at the internet and to to have these references from internet as well, but also from other specialists, mostly from dermatologists and sometimes even from GI patients, GI doctors actually, when a patient has uh, recurrent abdominal pain. So this, uh, they're getting aware that this might be a form of hereditary angioedema as well, yeah. for example. Uh, Regis, Brazil is the champion, the world champion in, in many things, but also in UCARES. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I wonder why that is. Is it that Brazil has so many urticariologists or so many urticaria patients or both? Uh, why, why is UCARE, the network, so successful in Brazil? Um, I think that the one point is that it, Brazil is a very uh, big country and very spread out. So mm. there are a lot of difference in, in, in so sometimes people uh, have trouble in to get medical assistance. And this kind of program is very good because not only the patient has the, the chance to go directly to the site and mm. also they can get information through the internet and by doing this, you can have a better treatment and better care of the patients. Sure. I think that's one of the reasons, because you don't have too much allergy and clinical knowledge here, yeah. but certainly you have a lot of patients with chronic urticaria and angioedema as well. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I, I, um, I'm very close to many of the Brazil UCARES, and what I see is that you guys uh, are on fire. No, you love treating urticaria and urticaria patients, and I think that's then also something that patients recognize, and by word of mouth or whatever uh, way, this then uh, results in a lot of patients looking for you, finding you, and getting help from you. So, congratulations! I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> And and one thing I also like, uh, Regis, and, and Germany has copied this, and now Turkey has copied it, and uh, uh, I hear Denmark is also planning to copy it. You guys um, um, have national and regional UCARE meetings where you meet with other UCARES to discuss you know, how to align the treatment or how to run projects or do awareness and education. I like that a lot because yes, UCARE is a global network and we want to have at least one UCARE in every country on this planet, yes, but uh, especially in large countries, we need um, a national or regional network of UCARES that help each other and help patients. You know, when you're talking about this, I was thinking that one, uh, another point that is very important here that you have uh, like a group established a group that it's like the Brazilian group it's called Hubra, mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, the Brazilian Uticaria network so by doing this we can integrate all the EU cares all over the country and you have a lot of projects and you get together the way you're, you're talking about so I, I was just uh, uh, also want to know about you if, if you see uh, some difference in other countries that have the same economic profile as Brazil, if they are somehow different from the high income countries in terms of uh, UK numbers or something like that? I don't know, I was just wondering if it's- It's a good question, like no. I, I, you know, I think we are more on the high end uh, of uh, the economy here in Germany and we have now the 
third highest number of UKARES. So um, maybe there are other factors that contribute to the number of UKARES per, 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 per country. Uh, Turkey is number two. They uh, have a lot of UKARES. I think it has something to do with how well the community is connected. And you say you have you have this national network of Uticaria uh, experts, and uh, we, we have that in Germany as well, where we knew each other and we were already doing things uh, together before UCARE. And of course, UCARE has helped to formalize this and make it more, more efficient. And I was just in Turkey, in Istanbul, to visit the first national UCARE meeting there. It was a lot of fun, really a great energy in the room. Um, but it seemed to me that, you know, th th uh, these geotic they knew each other and they liked each other and they supported each other and were, it was almost like a family, you know, and uh, this has a lot, uh, has a lot of power. No, if you work with people who love what they do, who like to work together, I think this then also creates mm, yeah, interest in joining this group and becoming part of that energy and part of that network. Yes, yes. And also, I think that another important point is that you also have this connection between the uh, carrier group and the hereditary angiedema group. True. So you, ha you also have this this Brazilian network with uh, for, uh, for hereditary angiedema. It's called Gebrai. Yeah. It's uh, the Brazilian group of, to study uh, hereditary angiedema. So they're like together. So <clears throat> they run like together. So I think that's another point that's important because uh, when you have a center uh, with dedicated to carrier and a lot of patients with angiedema comes. And some of them are uh, hereditary angioedema. So it's very important right. to do this, the, the differential diagnosis between all different kinds of angioedema. That, that, that's quite important for a center. I, I agree with you 100%. And this is why we see the UCARE and the ACARE, Angioedema Centers of Reference and Excellence Network, as twins. No, And my long-term dream is really for every UCARE to be an A-care, to have the expertise to diagnose mast cell-mediated uh, angioedema, of course, be good urticaria treaters, but also have the knowledge to diagnose, detect, and then treat patients with other types of hereditary angioedema. And at the same time, patients with swellings, no recurrent swellings, they don't know why they have that. It could be urticaria that's behind it. It could be uh, another type of angioedema, bradykinin mediated, but they come to us. And so if they come to an A-care and um, they don't have HAE, they still should receive good treatment after yeah. receiving the right diagnosis. And so I really like this idea of UCARES and ACARES working together. Many UCARES are ACARES, many ACARES are UCARES, and we, we we should bring the knowledge that is in one of the networks to the members of the other networks to align and to help each other. Yes, I don't know if it's the same way in German, just like here for, for the, because they're the, the other side, for example, we have some patients that they suspect of have hereditary angioedema, yeah. And, but then you start working out, you see that it's not really a bradykinin mediated angioedema. So it's, like uh, a mast cell mediate and gym. So you automatically transfer to the group of the UCARE 
So it, it's easy to do. So, for example, uh, let me give an example of a patient that's very interesting patient. She has uh, 16 years old mm -hmm. and a very severe angioedema, facial angioedema, when she yeah. started uh, like one year before, soon after she had COVID infection. Okay. But the point was that she was having abdominal pain as well. So she had abdominal pain and then swelling. So she was transferred first to the, to the U-care center. And then you analyze it, you thought it could be hereditary angioedema. So you did the genetic workout for the hereditary angioedema. It was negative. And we even started, she was completely antihistamine resistant. No mm. response for antihistamines. And there was no history of drug that has been taken. But the point was that we had some omalizumab with us and she started omalizumab and she right. got really improved with this omalizumab treatment. Yeah. This story sounds so familiar to us. So the first thing you said is um, we're seeing patients who are suspected to have hereditary angioedema, um, but end up having mast cell mediated angioedema uh, urticaria. And and this this didn't used to happen. No, it was the other way around, where people were always um, uh, suspected to have allergic angioedema. No, and uh, hereditary angioedema was missed so often, and the delay in diagnosis was so long. Now we're seeing, and I think this has something to do with uh, the awareness and the knowledge uh, that increases. Now we're seeing that hereditary angioedema is suspected. So we see the same thing here in Germany. Um, and we also have this experience that omalizumab works really well in standalone angioedema when it is uh, mast cell mediated, when it is that special type of urticaria without wheels. And um, I, we even had patients refer to us as hereditary angioedema patients on HAE medication that didn't work. No, they were on um, a C1 inhibitor or uh, lanadelumab was, uh, was just a recent patient. And when we went deep and we redid the history and we redid the testing and all of this, um, and then suspected, ah, this is not hereditary angioedema. This is probably mast cell mediated angioedema. And then we started omalizumab and bam, within a couple of weeks, uh, um, uh, no more swellings. No? So it's really good to have omalizumab as a, as a therapy for angioedema, but almost also as a diagnostic therapy where, you know, nine out of 10 patients with mast cell mediated angioedema angioedema due to urticaria respond really fast and really well to this treatment. Yes, and you also you pointed something very interesting that you need to go back very carefully to the, all the details of the history, the medical histories. There are some some small details that then you, when you go back, you see that this patient has some clues. She actually, yeah. she had some clues that she had best cell because she, she told that she, she used it once, corticosteroids, and improved it. This there is something that doesn't happen if, if bridgekine mediated angioedema. Never. No, never. Ne so it, it, I agree with you again, Regis, that the history is the most important diagnostic tool in angioedemology and urticariology. You know, we need to spend that time at the beginning to really have a good conversation with our patients, to ask them all the relevant questions, because it is their answers that are most important to coming up with the right diagnosis quickly. So, 
Uh, you know, we say it in the guidelines, but uh, it is something that we really need to bring to all the communities. It doesn't help if this is only something that we know in our expert circles. No, this is something that we need to tell our friends in family practice, uh, the pediatricians, uh, maybe even people in ER. I know it's a bit naive to think that ER physicians had a, have a lot of time to talk to their patients, yeah. but still, it it is important to ask questions. Um, and the earlier you do that, and the better you do it, the better for patients and their diagnosis and treatment. Yes, that's true. Uh, do you have uh, about, uh, we saw, actually I saw you in the, the last UN inhibitor meeting in Budapest. Yeah. And you gave some good news about new treatments that are coming. And I was really amazed that you have, a, probably there is a chance that you can have this uh, bird kind of receptor antagonist oral. That's ah, amazing. Yes. That's amazing. That's something. <laughs> it, it's, it, it is such a good time to be an angioedema and a urticaria doctor. It's really, it has never been better and it keeps getting better. No, in hereditary angioedema, um, we are now exploring bradykin receptor, not only for on-demand treatment, but as you say, also for prophylaxis with an oral medication. Great, no, we have factor 12A uh, antibody coming. Another target that uh, is really valuable and treatment that works really well. Um, we have gene therapy. It's here, yes. it's there. We have patients in, in clinical trials with gene therapy. Uh, it's fantastic to see how much is going on uh, on the angioedema side, but also on the urticaria, on the wheel side. No, we, we, we can deplete mast cells, we can silence them, we can shut down signal transduction. All of these are programs that are currently ongoing and will give us new and better treatments for patients with mast cell mediated angioedema, but also patients with bradykine and mediated angioedema. Yes, 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 that's true. So uh, uh, do you think there's going to be uh, any study about, uh, I mean, most of the new studies about urticaria patients? And as I don't know if it would be like, like omalizumab, that the patients had angioedema, angioedema and so they, they thought that the angioedema got improved, but I don't know if there is a, a specific study on angioedema mast cell some of these new drugs. I was just wondering, do you have an idea? I, I do have an idea and, and I really also have a big wish uh, going out there to all of our listeners who have a word and uh, a say in this. We need angioedema clinical trials. You know, it's, the current urticaria studies, they include allow patients to come into the study based on the wheels. You have to have a certain number of wheels per day, a certain disease activity reflected by wheels and itch. And that's okay, but what it does not allow for is for patients to enter into the clinical study with only angioedema, no, exclusively angioedema. And these are the studies we need. Um, I, I know of one study where angioedema was the focus, uh, the exact study is with omalizumab, but even in this study, patients also had wheels. So it's again, not that subgroup of patients who exclusively have angioedema, never have wheels, even though we know that the treatments that work in the patients with wheels also work in those with angioedema, with or without wheels, maybe even better. 
than in the patients with wheels. So I, I want to encourage all of the programs that are ongoing right now, whether it's mast cell depletion or silencing or targeting signal transduction or activation pathways of mast cells, to really look at this patient population and to give us information and confidence that the drugs that are being developed and that come available soon are also to be used in patients with mast cell mediated angioedema with that special form of chronic spontaneous urticaria. Yes, that's that's really, really an unmet need. That's for sure. That's for sure. Regis, look at the time. It was so much fun chatting with you. Thank you for uh, taking the time and sharing your experience and your insights with me and our listeners. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you for all the listeners who are uh, taking their time to listen to us as well. Thank you. Thank you. Very Mark. true. Obrigado. Regis, I'm not going to let you go. Um, I have a favorite questions that, that I ask my friends and guests who come on this podcast. And I'm going to ask it to you. If you had um, one million dollars, or let's make it let's make it five million dollars. So really, a lot of money um, in some ways. Uh, and you had to spend it on angioedema and urticaria research or education or treatment in Brazil. What would you do with that money? Well, that's for sure. I would make this 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 big research about uh, new drugs for angioedema mast cell patients. That would be a something that I definitely would look for. Super, super. Well, I second that motion, Regis. I, I'm very much uh, on board. We need these studies. Patients are waiting for it. We are waiting for it. And yeah. uh, so let's let me try to find the money and you come up with a study to do that. Great, great. Thank you. <laughs> Regis, thank you very much. Uh, all people out there, that's all the time I have today with Reggie Campos from um, Brazil and uh, his UCARE at Bahia. Um, thank you for listening and uh, thank you for your feedback because I did get a lot of feedback since uh, the last episode on previous episodes, but also on the last episode. We like that. We like that a lot. Keep it coming. Tell us what you want to talk about, want us to talk about, uh, topics, questions, ideas. We'd love to hear from you about what you want to hear from us. And with that, let's say goodbye to Regis one more time. Bye-bye. And please tune in for all of the previous and the next episode of All Things Zerticaria, your UCARE podcast. Be well. Bye-bye.